close encounters of the third kind, actual contact. To me, it looked like a leprechaun to me. All I gotta do is look up in the tree. Who else in the leprechaun say yeah? yeah! The Sasquatch was approximately eight to ten feet tall. It looked very human-like, but it definitely wasn't a human. After seven years of research, I am more convinced than ever that the creature known as Nessie is a real, living animal. Others find it hard to believe and have come up with their own theories and explanations. Could be a crackhead that got hold to the wrong stuff. Welcome to Mysteriousnesses, episode 26. I am your host, John Jay, and with me are my co-hosts, the Lances, Lauren and Mike. We ghosting today. And we have Jazzy Jared Walker over here in the corner. Adam Hello. Jazzy Jared Walker. Yeah. <laughs> what? Hello. Could be a crackhead who got hold to the wrong stuff. Yep. I guess. Usually is. We got a really cool show planned for you guys. Uh, we're going to be talking about some unsolved serial killings in our feature segment. Oh, I can't wait to talk about the Servant Girl Annihilator. <laughs> that is a strong name for a serial killer. It sounds metal. like a yeah. It sounds like a metal band. It's maybe black metal. I mean, it could be. We didn't Google emo. if it was a band or not. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a serial killer. Possibly also a band. Yeah. yeah. Maybe both. Lauren uh, Lauren just went to Bonnaroo. Did you uh, come across any spirits of uh, Bonnaroo's past? Just spirit in the sky. But um, uh, I, well, I, I did see that someone posted a picture of a UFO over the campgrounds this weekend. Also, oh, a really? horse died. Yeah. Did a horse die? A oh. horse died, and a guy uh, got super high. Crawled into his car and then boiled himself alive. Oh, he that didn't. Even, he was so high he didn't even wake up in the heat. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, creepy. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah, that's gross. So uh, I mean, it's not mysterious. We know what happened. We know what happened. Drugs. Uh, yeah, drugs. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, guess it, I guess that place is haunted now. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure somebody dies like every year, probably, right? I mean, you got oh, like yeah. you got like eighty thousand people, so like statistics are someone's going to die. The last Burning Man, a uh, guy ran into the Burning Man and died. Really? Yeah, he lit himself on fire. That's was it metal Nicolas Cage? as fuck. I don't think it was Nicolas Cage, but yeah. So. Well. So consider yourself lucky. Did you enjoy your trip? I did enjoy my trip for the most part. It was pretty pretty awesome. All Happy right. to shit in real bathrooms now. And sleep in a real bed. And sleep in a real bed. <laughs> um. First up, science news. Yeah. I forgot to pull up the, uh... The story? Yeah, the story. Uh, the, the Clintons are killing people. Is that science news? Uh, yeah, I think that's science news. The Clinton Clintons are running the, the secret... Deep state. Deep state. <laughs> Deep state news with Endless Mike. Uh, some people can feel it on their own bodies when others are touched, hit, or stroked, and researchers are trying to figure out why. So, Isn't that a magic trick? Um, I don't know, maybe. Uh, people who experience the physical sensations of others have mirror touch synesthesia. It means they can feel a sensation on the same part of the body where they see someone else being hit, stroked, kissed, or injected. So they must watch a lot of porn then. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, that would yeah. be convenient for porn consumption. Yeah. Researchers have been studying their brains to work out what makes them different to everyone else. But they can be difficult to find as, uh... Prescription is so subjective. Many people don't realize their experience of the world is any different to anyone else's. 
As for whether it's a gift or a curse, nobody is really sure. Uh, Powell can't watch films very often. When she does, everything that physically happens to the characters on screen, she feels to a certain extent on her own body. Films for me, or trailers or whatever, are just, continu or just a continuous chain of violence, punching, slapping, shooting, falling, and worse still, kissing or touching people's faces, I mean, that said. doesn't seem as bad as the other things. Yeah, why is kissing... Yeah, getting shot seems worse. Yeah, I've always hated screen kisses, or never been able to watch them, because, well, I don't want to kiss them, do I? I don't I know. Mean, I want to kiss some of those. Yeah, yeah Ryan Chris, Gosling? Chris Evans is hot. Yeah, I want to feel like, you know, Jennifer Aniston. Or Ryan Gosling. Seems like some weird priority. Chris Evans. Like, <laughs> how is, like, violent stuff worse than, like... But not Charles S. Dutton. No. I don't want to kiss him. No, no one wants to kiss him. All right. Um, so, mirror touch synesthesia is it's basically a brain condition, condition that amplifies people's sensation of touch so that they can essentially uh, physically feel what others feel. So... Can they uh, feel what I'm doing right now? Let's see. For example, once when she was watching a group of boys playing paddle ball in a swimming pool, she would almost feel like she was batting the ball herself. What? I just got this really pleasant feeling in my hand and down my arm as if I was hitting the ball myself, but without making any effort, she said. I enjoyed it so much that every morning as I went past, I would stand and watch him for a while, enjoying this fabulous sensation. Although I had to clear off after a while... In case he thought I was something odd about me staring at him like that, or thought I fancied him or something. Yeah, until he got hit in the eye with that ball. Uh, Isabel, who is 14, also has mirror touch synesthesia. When she said she could be extremely helpful for helping other people with injuries, but also a huge annoyance at the same time. So is Isabella is a, a little bit less of a bitch than the first yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> mirror touch synesthesia, in my opinion, is simply an exaggerated physical connection with any other human being, she said. Things like holding a dog will invoke me to feel a somewhat fluffy weight in my arms. Uh, an open cut or bruise will call me, cause me to feel the same pain in the same area. However, things like back pain or soreness are not visible. Therefore, I cannot feel them. Hmm. So that's huh. interesting. That's it. That is interesting. Uh, I mean, this isn't too far out of the out of the wall because it's just like uh, anytime you see like a guy get kicked in the nuts, like other guys can kind of like. Feel oh that. yeah, so every guy has that to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. It's if like, you see a nut shot, you feel it just a little bit uh, on somebody. Yeah, you know, yeah. feel that creeping claw reach up into your guts. I think it's just like insanely heightened empathy. Let's what, see. Okay, so. If say say someone breaks their finger and hasn't noticed it yet, like you know the kind where it doesn't hurt until you like a little bit later when they're in shock until you move it. Yeah, does she instantly feel that pain? I'm guessing if she just sees like somebody's finger bent back, like she feel the pain of that. Mm. Okay, yeah. Even if that person's not in pain, uh, this is the feeling only occurs when she looks at an injury. She said, but that means that even if the person is no longer experiencing pain. Isabel, uh, Isabella will still, she still will if the cut or graze is still visible. So the pain doesn't actually go away from her. Because, like, if I cut no, my I finger, see. like, it stops hurting, like, almost immediately. Yeah, but if she still saw it, it would still make her feel just as bad. So that probably, it probably goes the other way then, Mike, with, like, shock in the beginning. She probably feels it automatically. Yeah. So... There are several different types of synesthesia. So that's like the thing, you know, like where you can like smell colors, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, you can hear colors. Like uh, a, a some uh, math uh, geniuses. Yeah, they look way. at they look at like math math problems in a different way. They can like 
see it in a different way or feel Some it in a different way. Musicians claim to um, hear colors. Yeah, but musicians yeah, apparently, are liars. Apparently, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix uh, always described like he 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 never ever learned how to read or write music, so Man, he would always describe yellow. what he wanted the band to play with colors. Mm. Um. So let's see. There's color number color synesthesia where people see letters or numbers. Let's see. And in research conducted in 2017, uh, Medina recruited undergraduate students from a questionnaire to search for people with mirror touch synesthesia, which is normally affects about 1-2% to of the population. They can be tricky to find as our own perception of the world isn't something that often comes up in regular conversation. In fact, people usually assume that the, the way they are seeing, hearing, or feeling is exactly how others experience it too. So it's like most of the time when, you know... Uh, like if people are like colorblind or they have like certain kinds of colorblindness where like they see the sky a little bit different than we than most people do, but like they don't notice that because the names for everything are still the same. Yeah. It's like the first existential question anyone ever has, which is like, is my version of blue the same color as someone yeah, that's else's the first, version that's of blue? Yeah, that's the first question you have when you smoke weed for the first time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, uh, because of our innate ability to comprehend how others may experience the world differently, uh, uh, others may experience the world differently. People with mirror touch synesthesia often think that this is just the way people are. It takes experiments like Medina's, where he conducted a survey and brought in people to the lab who said they experienced touch or on other people's bodies, for them to realize that actually something is different. So I guess I guess basically what they're saying is uh, like most people that have this just, just figure it's natural that yeah. everyone it happens with everyone. Yeah, that seems like a weird assumption to make considering like there's so many things that like that one lady was like I can't go see a trailer. He's like, why yeah. do people like this? Yeah, maybe she just thought she hated movies. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> She seems like she has more of an extreme case of it, though, you know? Yeah, also, I mean, she's got other weird stuff going on. Like, if you, if violence is worse to you than a kissing scene, there's some other stuff going on there, yeah. too. Kissing is worse than violence. Yeah, kissing is yeah. worse than violence yeah. for her. So, yeah, I don't know. This is a, this is a pretty interesting topic. Um, God, what would happen if you you had that and you saw something like Saving Private Ryan, where people are just like exploding into chunks? That is a really interesting question. Yeah, let's you just know. strap her down and make her watch Saving Private Ryan. Maybe she likes the feeling of being exploded. I mean, <laughs> I know I like that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Scientists believe uh, there may. Uh, alien life may exist in other universes after discovering a mysterious force. Okay, Ooh, why not? They found the force. Uh, alien life could exist in other universes, according to a group of scientists studying a mysterious force known as dark energy. Oh, okay. Previous theories suggested our universe has the perfect amount of dark ener energy, which acts as gra uh, acts against gravity and is making the cosmos expand at an accelerated rate. So basically. The universe is is still expanding at an exponential yeah. rate, and the idea and they're is not, that yeah, the they, idea is that it, it should have slowed down by yeah, now. It should have slowed down. It shouldn't. But then they remember that well, for every reaction, there's an equal and opposite reaction, and then they have evidence of the this so-called dark energy that they're saying. Well, this must be the opposite reaction of gravity. Yeah. So up until now, they thought that um, they thought that our universe was probably. One, you know, one of the only ones, or maybe even the only one, that had 
the perfect amount of dark energy so that the uh, the universe wouldn't expand too fast or too slow. Right. I mean, I don't know much about this, but I don't understand why we would think the universe would slow would slow down and expanding when there's no inertia. Uh, it's from our our uh, incomplete concept of physics. Yeah, it's because they taught us the wrong kind of physics when we were kids, because the the wrong kind that they had already disproven was simpler to teach. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. So the, the, no, we were taught Newtonian physics until we got to college, basically, right? Yeah. So like. It doesn't like, oh, actually hey, explain uh, everything. Non-Newtonian is uh, actually a better idea. <laughs> yeah. like, it's so it's a better, weird. It's a better theory. <laughs> There's gels. Eh. Uh, so it was understood that any more would uh, create rapid expansion that the stars and planets wouldn't have time to form. Uh, researchers at Durham University claim these celestial bodies would still have formed even if a universe had 100 times the dark energy that ours does. They use a giant computer simulations to suggest that if other universe, uh, universes exist, they may be just as likely to harbor life. Well, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Well, they thought that it just we were we were. Uh, I, I did see um, an interesting interview with uh, Neil deGrasse Titan Titan Tyson, <laughs> where he's like, "Yeah, multiverses probably exist. The problem is the the way that they the physics works." in those multiverses may be so different that we could just die just from going to those universes. That's true. slightly different. Like, even, like, the slightest difference in physics, like, just the way yeah. things hold together on a small level could burst you into a thousand pieces. It's like, you ever play a broken physics game on your iPhone? No. No? No. no. Those are fun. <laughs> so basically what he said, uh, basically the scientist said, our simulations show that even if there was much more dark energy or even very little in the universe, that it would only have a minimal effect on star and planet formation. So, I mean... We don't even know what dark energy actually is. No, yet. nobody... Yeah, nobody yeah that's understand. just a term for unexplained thing. Unex yeah. Unexplained force that we could try to add into these math problems that I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm saying me personally. I don't yeah. understand. Yeah, you <laughs> but I mean, that's interesting. That's I, I mean, that's uh, a lot of the theories. A lot of theories about extraterrestrials that uh, visit Earth claim that they are from a different dimension and not actually from a different galaxy. My my favorite part. Or that of it might story. be easier to get to a different dimension than it would be to get across the Milky Way galaxy. Or you be cool. use traveling through another dimension in order to get from a very distant well, getting, planet to getting another. Getting across one. the Milky Way galaxy isn't hard. It's not. It would just take for. It yeah, would just take forever. Long yeah. Fucking time. <laughs> long. Yeah. If you live forever, it would be no problem. Yeah. Except you would have to be very, very patient because yeah. I don't so, know. I don't know how long it would take, but it would be like millions of years, right? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, even traveling at the speed of light, it would take a long time. Yeah, because they're light years, they're like a million light years away. Yeah, so even traveling at the speed of light, which, according to Einstein, we can't do, even then, it would take forever. I mean, I'm pretty, according to most scientists, we can't do it. Yeah, but Einstein, you know, he's like the the best one. Oh, I saw a headline today that said that Einstein was racist. Oh, yeah, I saw, I, but I, I didn't read, read it. Part of that story. Like, <laughs> well, who was he racist against? Oh, okay. Oh, specifically the Chinese. Oh, okay. For well, any particular right. reason? Uh, I mean, ignorance, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, probably just ignorance. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's uh, move on. 
Let's check out some UFO news. Sorry, I should have pulled all these articles. Now, I've read this before, and I can't remember exactly what the reason was that we can't go the speed of light or faster. Um, it's, a, it's hard. I, I the theory of relativity. I think a bunch of different reasons. I mean, the power involved a lot. Well, no, the theory of relativity basically says that... We can't go faster, then. No, yeah, the th it's, like, oh. literally, it's been said that we, no matter what, it would be impossible for us to go... The like speed of light. The fastest. The fastest. Yeah, the fastest is. speed is light. Yeah. That's just okay, but just because that's what it is doesn't mean it can't be exceeded. Well, I'm sure um, someday they'll figure out some sort of workaround. Well, I think I think the theory is that uh, nothing can go faster than that because so far we've not found anything that can. Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of like the 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 idea of the four minute mile, which was that it used to be like no one could go f run a mile. In less than four. Well, I think Matt. I think this is more of a mathematical reason than like yeah, a I'm sheer sure. willpower reason. I, assume, I don't think it's possible. no, John. We have to want it. I don't think it's we just, possible. We just gotta believe in ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's possible to perceive faster than light because if everything we perceive is reflections of light, how could you perceive faster than that? All right, this is turning into too much of a stoner conversation. I'm just saying, like. A uh, U.S. aircraft carrier was stalked for days by a UFO traveling at ballistic missile speed, which could hover above the sea for six days. Leaked Pentagon report uh, reveals. The fucking Clintons again. God damn. A leaked Pentagon report has revealed new details about the UFO encounter that shocked Navy fighter pilots above the Pacific. Is this the one we already talked about? Uh, no. And the 2009 report does not bear any date or agency logo, but four officials confirmed that it was written as part of a Pentagon program with input from multiple agencies. The Las Vegas uh, news station obtained the unclassified report while visiting Washington, D.C. for a debriefing arranged by former Senator Harry Reid. Uh, the report reveals stunning new first-hand accounts of the November 14, 2004 encounter, which was documented in a video that emerged in December last year. So this, this might have been the, vid the video that we were talking about then. Uh, the incident unfolded as the NIMS carrier group was conducting training exercises off the coast of Southern California and Mexico ahead of the deployment to the Arabian Sea. Now, this one I, this one was just up on the screen, so it actually did look different. Let me pull it back. Can you guys see this? Yeah. I meant them over there. We're looking at, yeah, we're looking at the map. drawing of Mexico. I, I thought... Well, no, not the, not the map. Can you see the little screen at the bottom? bottom right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think this is... Of the sailors? Yep. Hey, sailor. uh, beginning around November 10, the USS Princeton, a uh, Ticonondra-class guided missile cruiser, made multiple radar contacts with what the report calls an anomalous aerial vehicle. Oh, no, yeah, this is a different story. Cause yeah. The, the other guy was a fighter pilot. Uh, I think fighter pilots looked into this, too. It might be the same one. Uh, the senior chief fire controlman on the Princeton, which was equipped with an ultra-advanced uh, AN Spy-1 multifunctional phased array radar, reported that the AAV appeared from above 60,000 feet. The radar's scan ceiling and descended very rapidly to about 50 feet above the surface of the ocean. Uh, they would hover for a short time and then depart at high velocities and turn rates demonstrating advanced capabilities, the senior chief Maybe said. it's just a drone. The senior chief, who had 17 years of experience in fire control on cruisers, said he never obtained an accurate track on the AAV because they exhibited speed consistent with a ballistic missile. 
but the radar was set to in intercept mode rather than ballistic, ballistic missile tracking mode. So, th yeah, this is a different one. The other one that we looked at on a previous show, um, yeah, they, they straight up like, they did was, get a lock on it. Yeah. Uh, then on November 14th, the Princeton again detected an AAV around 11 a.m. and called in two FA-18 Hornets that happened to be returning to the USS Nimst from a training exercise. An E-2C Hawkeye surveillance plane was also operating in the area and attempted to uh, radar contact on the AAV, but only made intermittent contact and was unable to gain a track. So these guys didn't get a chance to track it. Yeah. But this is like an actual report from not even that long ago. Yeah, 2009? Yeah, I mean, I guess it was almost 10 years, almost a decade <laughs> yeah. ago. That's still, I mean... In but, I mean, it's better than talking about World War II, you know, Foo Fighters yeah. or whatever. Yeah, no, in, in, like, UFO alien news, this is pretty fucking recent. Yeah. Uh, the skies were clear and blue with unlimited visibility that day, and the sea was calm, according to the report. The first fighter jet to investigate a USMC single-seat FA-18C flew within 5 to 10 nautical miles of the AAV's location, but could not see it. Instead, he reported seeing a circular disturbance in the water about 50 to 100 meters in diameter. Hmm. It reminded the pilot of something rapidly submerging in the ocean, like a submarine. Yeah, aliens. So, the UFO taunted them, and then when they sent out a fighter jet, it popped underwater real quick. Ha <laughs> fuck you guys. <laughs> Can't fly your plane underwater, you asshole. <laughs> uh, the report... Uh, hypothesizes that it's possible the disturbance was being caused by the AAV, but that the AAV was cloaked or invisible to the human eye. All right. Huh. So Down that's... That. So So their theory is that it's, like, hovering just above the water, and it's disturbing the water, but the pilot can't make a visual contact with it. Huh. That's curious. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. The marine pilot was called off after the controller asked a plane carrying ordnance to respond, which he was not. When he returned to the USS Nimps, his intelligent officer asked him if he'd seen the supersonic Tic Tac. <laughs> the next jet to respond was a Navy uh, FA-18F piloted by Commander David Fravor and Lieutenant Commander Jim Slate, who made visual contact with the AAV that they have since publicly discussed corroborating the report. Fravor also spotted a disturbance in the water almost as if it were boiling, but this time hovering above the disturbance was a strange object. The object was shaped like an elongated egg or tic-tac, according to Fravor, and was holding like a harrier. Uh, the oh, junk it was hovering, basically. Hovering like a... Yeah, it was holding like a harrier. So a harrier jet is, uh, is those, like, fighter jets that can also hover. Oh, they can, okay. Their engines can flip down, and oh, they can... Like, so uh, like in True Lies. Okay, so by holding, it means they're just standing. They're, they're just still. standing still. Okay, but okay. But flying, yeah. That makes sense. Uh... Slate, whose name is redacted from the report, described it as solid white, smooth, with no edges. It was uniformly colored with no, uh, what is that word? Nacelles. Nacelles? Pylons or wing? I don't know what a nacelle is. Uh, that's the kind of, okay, so on the Star Trek Enterprise, or, yeah, on the, the Enterprise, the engine, the part where the, the, en the engine thrusters are on the Enterprise, those are called nacelles. Okay. They're basically engines that are attached via, like, a like a stabilizing Stick. pole or something like that. Okay. Uh, he described the exterior of the object like it had a white candy-coated shell, almost like a whiteboard. So that's weird. Huh. When Fravor attempted to make so a shiny. close pass of the object to attempt visual recognition, the object appeared to react, 
realigning its axis to point at the approaching plane. The AAV then ascended quickly and departed at supersonic speed. When Fravor and Slate returned to the nymphs, the sailors and the intelligence center donned tinfoil hats to greet them, asking eagerly about the UFO flight. <laughs> Later, I mean, when these guys are on these aircraft carriers, there is nothing to do but your job. Or fuck yeah. each other. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of funny. Like, I would do that shit just to be a dick. I mean, that's an exciting day. Yeah. Chasing UFOs and shit. Uh, later in the day, another plane made the video that has since been released, according to the report. Around 3 p.m., another Navy F-A-18 tracked a remarkable object on FLIR, which Fravor's plane had not been equipped with. So this is the, that's the video that we saw, or this okay. is the video. So the, supposedly this is the same thing. This is the same thing we talked about, but this is the full report, yeah. and not nice. just the video that was released of them getting tracked. So they had been tracking this thing for six days. Damn. At this point, I didn't realize they've been tracking it. For yeah, that okay, because yeah, I remember in the original story, it kind of seemed like they just randomly encountered. Yeah, this they thing. saw it one afternoon. No, it so wasn't I, just a one-off encounter. No. So at this point, they, you know, I'm sure everyone's itching to like get a track on this thing, you know. Yeah. So the pilot said he couldn't confirm whether he had tracked the same objects seen by Fravor and Slate because he never made a visual contact; only tracked it through flare. So. So this pilot didn't actually see it. He just got it on his on his thermal on his thermal imaging stuff, hmm. and got a lock yeah, on. Yeah, that's it. the video that we. And saw that's the video that we ago. saw a couple weeks ago. So you guys can check this out in the show notes. This is pretty freaking interesting. I love all the detail in this one. That's pretty. Well, yeah, rad. this is a bunch of. Yeah, like, well, this is the report before the report wasn't released when we first talked about it. Mm. All right, so moving on, we're going to jump into some crypto... Oh, no, some alien encounters. Sorry. Ooh, we just talked about an alien encounter. I know. Here's some, uh, here's some other cool alien encounters. Uh, let's see. These are, these are some ones from, like, uh, history, before Roswell, basically. Okay. All right. Uh, the Thule Papyrus. The story of the Thule Papyrus is a strange one. The document was reportedly among the papers left behind by Alberto Thule, director of the Vatican's Egyptian Museum. When he passed away, however, it has been lost since. Okay. Hmm. According to legend, it was originally found by Thule and his brother, a Vatican priest, during a visit to Cairo in 1934. The pair couldn't afford to purchase it, so they made a copy, which... Uh, then went through multiple translations. Supposedly, the document described a strange event witnessed by Pharaoh Tutmosi III in the year 22. In the third month of winter, in the sixth hour of the day, the scribes of the House of Life noticed a circle of fire that was coming from the sky. From the mouth, it emitted a foul breath. It had no head. Its body was one long rod. No, one rod long and one rod wide. It had no voice. Weird. Okay. More of the discs kept appearing, then eventually the whole group of them vanished to the south, dropping a rain of fish and birds in their wake. A fascinating encounter, if true, but the papyrus can no longer be found. It was never verified as authentic. So, but I mean, I thought I think this last detail is the one that's most interesting, where it like left like a wake of like fish and birds. Fish and birds. Which is like that's like uh like. Aliens have always been blamed for stuff like that when, like, a bunch of meat rains down from the sky or a bunch of, you know, like, rains fish or... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Couldn't that... Could have been, like, some sort of weird vortex? Snakes or frogs or that whatever. That was what I was thinking is, like, okay, well, then maybe there was, like, a some sort of hurricane-like activity, went over the ocean, picked up a bunch of fish, 
And then they saw some lightning and shit, and then the fish and shit fell on the ground. Yeah, they were really stupid back then. Well, one of the things, though, is... I wonder- mean, they couldn't have been stupid, though. They built, like, the pyramids and stuff. Yeah. Mm. Did they? Well, maybe not. Or maybe. was it aliens? <laughs> it's aliens. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I always wonder, though, when like people find, like, one papyrus or, like, one cave painting or whatever, it's like... If you look at the shit people just post randomly on Facebook, that's true. It might have been, you know, an ancient, <laughs> you think, you an think ancient the scribes like uh, Starbucks, someone. Starbucks screenplay the or Thule, something. Yeah. Uh, the Thule papyrus was actually just ancient Reddit. Yeah, yeah, just making up some spoopies. Yeah. yeah, some or it's just some asshole like trying to like make his day sound cooler than it was. You know, been hanging out with these cool chicks all day. They're hot as fuck. It's like, dude, you didn't leave your bedroom today. <laughs> oh man, you should have seen it. They were run one rod high and one rod wide. <laughs> and I was one and big was rod. rod. And yeah. there was fish and birds everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> the end. Oh, hashtag YOLO. <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing. It's like nobody can verify whether or not it was just some random fuckboy left a piece of paper uh, 2,000 years ago. Here's a close encounter in the Roman Republic. Uh, in 74 BCE, the Roman historian Plutarch described reports from eyewitnesses and two Plutarch. opposing armies in the western part of what is now Turkey. Their battle was interrupted by a bizarre sight, Plutarch wrote in his text Lucullus. But presently, Plutarch. as they were on the point of joining battle with no apparent change of weather... But all on a sudden, the sky burst asunder, and a huge flame-like body was seen to fall between the two armies. In shape, it was almost like a wine jar, and in color, like molten silver. Both sides were astonished at the sight, and separated. This marvel, as they say, occurred in Fagria, a place called Otre. It sounds like the ship from E.T. Yeah, it's like a, a silver orb. That's a description I can get behind. None of this rod shit. Yeah. yeah. Like, this, give me that wine jar. None of these bullshit rods. Good. It's as big as a wine jar, and it looked like it was made out of liquid mercury. Mercury. Uh, NASA astrophysicist Dr. Richard Sluthers wrote in a paper examining ancient unidentified flying objects that the phenomenon could have been an alien craft, but that it was probably a bolide, a type of meteor that breaks apart in the atmosphere. Meteors are generally black, Dr. Sellers noted, but the silver color could have been the incandescence of the falling object. However, other records from Fregria at the time don't mention a meteor sighting, even though Fregrians tr- traditionally worshipped meteors. Yeah, I guess that would be oh. an uh, yeah, uh, event of note for them. So. Yeah, they would have de- definitely uh, had written that down if they worshipped meteors. So. Yeah. Uh, another ancient historian, Joseph... Josephus? Josephus. Josephus. May have been a witness to a UFO sighting of his own. Like any good historian, he sought out additional eyewitnesses to confirm the story. What they saw? Some kind of battle in the sky. Oh, I've read about this one before. For before sunset through all parts of the country, chariots were seen in the air and armed battalions hurtling through the clouds and encompassing the cities. Josephus wrote in an event which occurred in Judea in 65 CE. So CE is... Is, is that current era? That's yeah. That's yeah. After so that's that's the CE is the new AD. Yeah, correct. That would be considered AD. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. They don't they don't say AD and BC anymore. They say CE and BCE. Mm-hmm. What is BC before, before current, current era? era. Yeah. yeah. That actually makes that. more sense because so like, it's not it's not just based on Jesus, even though yeah. it is still based on like when he's born. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like years. Just because we had already written that down before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. According to uh, Dr. Stuthers, natural phenomenon like cloud patterns or meteor- meteors don't seem to explain the event. Uh, 
It does, however, correspond to modern stories of UFO aerial fighting. Josephus saw it as a religious event. They so. they would back then. But what if the dude was high as fuck and like rolling? He was. Then he looked for other. He claimed he got other witnesses. Being high as fuck was all part of religious experiences. We'll do. Uh, let's see. One more. In eight. This is the Aurora UFO incident. So in 1896 and 1897. Just making sure we're recording. <laughs> Hundreds of people throughout the United States reported seeing a strange silver cigar-shaped cigar airship in the sky. The first account came from Sacramento, California. Witnesses claimed to see a bright light in the sky as high as a thousand feet. Above the light was the outline of what seemed like an airship. Dozens of people reported seeing the ship, and many said they heard singing and arguing voices as well. Ten days later, a man uh, in oh, nearby Lodi... No, this is Texans. No, Germans always sound like they're arguing. It was a German spaceship. It was a German... Sp okay, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, ten days later, a man in Lodi told the uh, Stockton Evening Mail that he had met three alien beings who tried and failed to abduct him before they eventually fled in a cigar-shaped airship. They were looking for the whales. <laughs> Two stories sparked several more over the next few months. Residents of Omaha, Nebraska, claimed they saw the ship three times in February and March uh, 1897. During one of the sightings, residents of the nearby village of North Loop reported seeing a strange fireball, though they never saw the ship itself. In Clinton, Iowa, eyewitnesses uh, said a bright light appeared in the sky before the craft arrives, arrived, just as in Sacramento. Okay, so this is California. Uh, excitement was so high that thousands of people reported seeing strange lights in the sky on April 12, believing it was the mysterious ship. However, astronomers said the lights were a fast-moving star. Well, is, that doesn't sound yeah, right. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> fast-moving star. Don't shooting worry. Star? It's just a fast-moving star. Yeah, what is that, a meteor? Yeah. yeah. A comet? What are you talking about? Soon the alleged airship was everywhere. On April 29, uh, 1897, the Valentine Democrat made the observation. Tuesday night was a busy one for the airship. It exploded in Kalamazoo, Michigan, ran aground in Carlowville, Illinois, and made its debut in Washington, D.C. So this is like a thing that was like happening all over the country. Uh, at this I time. think at that point it was just alien hysteria. That, yeah. that does kind of sound like a hysterical... Or how do you know it wasn't some sort of mad scientist with like a blimp globe trotting? It's just a fast-moving star. Maybe it was... Uh, Astronomer said so. Swamp gas. It was, maybe it was a, a floating city. I mean, I the like cities Columbia. don't float. Yeah, it was Columbia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kalamazoo wasn't the only crash site that April. April, a day after uh, a sighting in Galveston, the citizens of Aurora, Texas, were reportedly visited by the airship, which one resident said crashed into a windmill, killing the pilot. Of the windmill? No, the pilot of the <laughs> no, the pilot of the windmill I don't know was how fine. Windmills work. <laughs> pilot of the windmill, totally fine. The pilot, who was not of this world, was given a Christian burial. He said, "Airship sightings trailed off." Well, then where the fuck did they bury it? Yeah, yeah I don't know. Did an alien airship really travel around the U.S. for several months, then crash in Texas? No. no Many of the strange sightings may have been genuine, but others were probably attempts to jump on the sunned UFO trend and benefit for them. That's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing it's Well, this you. is before Roswell, so, but I mean, this was, I guess, you know, the big thing before Roswell. To me, it has to be that, because the Christian burial thing just pisses me off. It's like, wow. we buried Watch him. Watch out for that edge, Jared. That's not, no. She might cut you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, yeah, oh. why do why wouldn't they give him a Muslim burial? That's not what I mean. I'm sorry. What I'm saying is like, 
Oh, uh, so the pilot died. Okay, well, where's the body? Oh, we buried him. We'll dig it. We'll, like, dig, it dig him up. up. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> that's that's blasphemous. That see that upsets. Well, me. yeah, because it was an angel, baby. They an angel baby. They never. They never said it was an angel. What else would it be? Also, if it's an angel, dig it up. Whoa! You don't want to dig up wow, angels. Yeah, Why that's, not? It's extra blasphemous. Yeah, it's bad luck or some such nonsense. <laughs> Y'all dumb. Let's move on to some paranormal stuff, some ghost Ooh, stuff. Like ghosts. Ghosts. Uh, shooting ghosts. In January or February 1890, a woman's body was pulled from the River Ban at Edendary near Portadown. Incidents like this, so this is in Ireland, incidents like this were all too common at the time, but there was something about the gruesome find that unnerved the good people of Eden Edendary. Probably because they're all cowards. What? Shooting at a ghost. An extraordinary story. Okay. <laughs> Apparently you can shoot ghosts now. I'm really digging this. Uh, Portadown correspondent right? a ludicrous incident took place in, uh, is that Scottish or Irish? Yeah, go, just go with it. Yeah, go. I, I like it. I, like it. Like, I think it was like it was a leprechaun. Good. A ludicrous yeah. incident took place in Edinburgh the other night. It appears that since the dead body of a woman was discovered in the River Ban a few weeks ago, the boathouse has been haunted and the inhabitants of Francis Street and Foundry Street terrified to such an extent by the nightly visits of the boathouse ghosts that they were actually afraid to come out of doors after dark. It's a great band name. Indeed, it is said that they contemplated removing from that quarter of the town altogether and leaving it in possession of what they believed to be the spirit of the departed woman. I, mean, I really thought that said bathhouse ghosts. Wow. <laughs> bathhouse ghosts, well, way more sexy to Jared. Yeah. yeah. But the tricks of the boathouse ghost, like the Draghita ghost... Draghita. And nearly all other ghosts seem to have been harmless, consisting chiefly in tinkling the windows, kicking the doors <laughs> of the house in Francis Street, and otherwise annoying the occupiers. They really had to go to the bathroom and they were kicking at the doors. Ghost Let me in so I can pee! They just peed on the window. Yeah, and then they're like, fuck you! Nobody peed indoors back then, Jared. You no. go to the outhouse. Yeah. Well, then these ghosts are from the future. It future seems ghosts. to have taken such delight in playing these pranks on the Foundry Street people that it went on parade every night a few minutes after 11 o'clock. About the hour mentioned, it is stated to have been seen crossing the river from Francis Street and entering the boathouse. But it was somewhat later on Saturday night, the 15th of the present month, that the incident I am about to relate occurred. The ghost was seen on that occasion, standing on the water, right opposite the boathouse, by a man who, after eyeing it from head to foot and satisfying himself that it was really a ghost, proceeded to the house of a neighbor and, having knocked him up, knocked him up, informed him that she, meaning the ghost, was about the boathouse. Which means, you know, around the boathouse. Yeah. yeah. So he was like, uh, is this ghost hot enough to fuck? <laughs> so, nope. Yeah. All right, I guess I better tell someone. I'm really digging this website, a la 1997. Yeah. The neighbor hastily dressed himself. The first man just as hastily primed and loaded up. Sorry, ghosts. No, that was Lauren. The... Uh the first man just as hastily primed and loaded a Martini Henry. I'm assuming that's some sort of firearm. Some sort of gun. It's a really nice drink. Get the Martini Henry. Yeah. <laughs> Vowing that he would give her as much as would keep her from visiting the locality for a fortnight. That that sounds very gentle. Okay. I'll give her as much as would keep her from visiting the locality for a fortnight. No, that was Scottish. Yeah. yeah. In, in a few seconds, the two <laughs> returned to the spot where a minute or two previously the ghost had been seen. 
It was still standing in the same place and seemed to defy all Edendary. Keep quiet now, the first man said, raising the rifle to his shoulder. Be sure Was he taking a golf swing? Yeah. Be sure and take good aim, whispered the neighbor, stooping as he spoke to see that the ghost would not move. The rifleman evidently took his advice, for he covered his object with a closeness and precision that would have been done credit to any crack shots that took part in the Inkerman battle. No this, sooner- guy, this guy's really talking up this, this <laughs> guy with a rifle. <laughs> this, what is this, like his buddy? No sooner had he fired it than the neighbor exclaimed, Bagora, it's down! The two then proceeded to pick up the remains of the ghosts. What? Wait. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I love this physical story. Physical body parts? Don't see any trace of it here, marked one. It must be about here someplace, said the other, for I took good aim to miss it. Oh, you hit it right enough, rejoined the first. I saw it falling. On a closer examination of the spot, it was discovered that the ghost was nothing more or less than the reflection of the light from the bridge lamp on the side of the boathouse. Oh, my God. During the past week, several persons have tried to calm the fears of the Foundry Street people by endeavoring to persuade them that there is no such thing as ghosts, but all to no purpose. They maintain that it was not the bridge lamp which knocked at their windows and disturbed them from their slumbers every night during the past four weeks. Common sense argument, undoubtedly. The ghost must still be at large. Saturday night's occurrence has made the residents in the vicinity of the boathouse determined to have their revenge. And the rifleman has promised that if he gets his hands on the ghost, he will never quit it while there is a spark of life in it. <laughs> There's no I, life. I don't I f- think they I know what ghosts love these are. Guys. This, this is the best story. This is, uh, I feel like this is a Scooby-Doo mystery. Yeah. Where it's like two drunken... strangle it to death. Two drunken Irishmen kicked and hit people's windows for like a week. <laughs> and then they were like, we see the ghost, we're going to shoot it. Yeah. We got and then it. And they shot a lamp. And then threatened to strangle it if they saw it again. <laughs> These guys are badass. Or they killed a man and said it was a ghost the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> this ghost is bleeding out everywhere. Yeah. No, uh, this, this is a good story. That's fun. Uh, oh, God, Irish people are crazy. We can talk about the uh, 1981 Chicago Mothman incident may help explain the phenomenon. So there... You guys have heard that there's been a lot of Mothman sightings in Chicago recently, right? Yes. I mean, uh, it is a shithole. Sure. So uh, the witness uh, contacted. Uh, this is from I think this is from Phantoms and Monsters. So they say I was recently contacted by an eyewitness who, as a child of 13 years of age, had a remarkable encounter with a winged humanoid creature in uh, Ciro, What is it? Cicero, Illinois. I should know that one. Cicero. The year was 1981, and the witness, who I'll refer to as MR, experienced a life-changing event. The witness MR contacted me by email and asked to speak by telephone. I instantly had the sense that this interview would be significant. Uh, in 1981? Bullshit. What? Email in 1981? No, 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 he's telling him now. This just this is a new article. Oh, okay. Yeah. My, my fool. Uh... So he requested a call at his earliest convenience, and we were talking within 10 minutes. MR introduced himself and immediately started to tell me his account. He prefaced his story by saying that he had not known of the winged humanoid sightings reported throughout the Chicago metro area until he stumbled upon an article two days previous. He was stunned by the revelations in the article, dozens of sightings that closely resembled his encounter in Cicero in 1981. But MR's narrative was different. 
because his encounter with the winged humanoid altered his overall beliefs and his perspective of the world. And it turned him into a man instead of a woman. MR was a 13-year-old boy in 1981 who, through his own description, had suffered terrible abuse during his young life. On this particular evening, like many previous evenings, he sought solitude in his backyard. For whatever reason, he was able to employ a self-taught form of meditation that helped him cope with the abuse by his parents. As he sat on the grass, he entered into a deep level of spiritual awareness that had become more heightened than he had ever remembered. He soon became aware of an unknown presence. As he exited his meditative state, he, was immediate, he immediately noticed a pair of intense red eyes staring back at him from across the alleyway. The being was standing against the neighbor's white garage, about 75 feet from where MR was sitting. It was a thin black human shape that stood 7 feet in height, when compared to the 4 foot high chain link fence at the end of his yard. There were wings folded uh, on its back that extended above its long thin head. But those intense red eyes captured MR's concentration to the point where he was literally paralyzed and frozen in place, which is a That's common, common, common yep. thing said during uh, Mothman encounters. That's why I typically believe most of it is actually just from, like, uh, sleep paralysis nightmare or something like that. Uh, the being was soon communicating with MR in telepathic form, which is another thing that happens. Uh, more intent in garnering his attention than actually expressing information. The five to seven minute experience was suffused with an assortment of emotions that ranged from tranquility to terror. MR recognized that he was not dreaming or in a reflective state that this was actually occurring. That was the moment where his perspective of the world around him changed forever. So, he never forgot the encounter and it influenced his life, though he was reluctant to disclose the incident until he started college and became part of an environment that would pay attention to what he had to say and not judge his experience. But MR still did not understand why he was the recipient of the wing humanoid's scrutiny. Then one evening, while he, him and his wife were watching a video, MR began to appreciate and grasp what happened to him in 1981. So he saw, he saw the, the Mothman, Mothman prophecies, prophecies, and it was like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Indrid Cold. God, I couldn't imagine that feeling, like, seeing the Mothman prophecies and be like, oh shit, this is the same thing I dealt with when I was a kid. That scared the living shit out of me. Yeah, if you just you just turn on a scary movie with your wife, and then you're like, oh man. Fuck. <laughs> this shit happened to me. Fuck. Yeah. And then it says, based on a true story, and then you realize John Keel wrote a very comprehensive book on it, and yeah, then you're like, yeah. shit. Yeah. Uh, that movie still holds up. We just watched that a little bit ago. Yeah, I watched it, like, a year ago. Uh, let's, let's move on to some, uh, cryptozoology. All right. Let's see. Photo of a wolf-like animal sparks speculation of possible cryptid species. I mean, that kind of just looks like a dog. It is pretty fucking big, though. Yeah. I mean, look how big it is. What the fuck? Uh, a picture accompanying the story of a wolf-like animal shot and killed at a family ranch in Denton, Montana, has the internet speculating on the creature's species, but that some sort of wolf hybrid or something far stranger, such as the elusive cryptid Dogman. So some people think this is like the Dogman or no. a werewolf. You know what it looks like to me? It looks like, like a, a really thin bear. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say it kind of looks like a baby bear. That is that is one of the theories that's been floated is that it's a sick bear. Yeah, that looks like a sick bear. It kind of, but it kind of does look like the wolf, the wolf from. Uh, it also does look like a wolf American as well. werewolf. 
People say it, they think it's a bear because look at the ear is rounded. Yeah. What if that's what werewolves are? Like bears with rabies. Sick bears. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I think it looks it looks like a bear because of the shape of the head, the ears included. Uh, a landowner shot what she believed to be a wolf several days ago, Anderson said. So this is the, from the uh, Sergeant Kyle Anderson of the Montana Fish and Wildlife. Uh, it was reported to be near livestock. According to Anderson, this is a badass lady, by the way, where she just sees like a fucking werewolf and she's like, well, I'm taking it out. <laughs> this got, is fucking Montana. Got silver bullets. No fucks. According to Anderson, two game wardens arrived at the scene and took photographs, including the one above. The photographs were sent to the Montana uh, Fish and Wildlife Preserve Preserve Wolf Specialist in Great Falls, where the actual animal specimen was taken to a lab in Bozeman for examination. Based on the photograph, we have some doubts as to whether or not it's a purebred wolf or is a hybrid of a or a wolf dog of sorts. Explained Anderson. The single photo released by the FWP has observers on the internet wondering if the animal might be something paranormal. So some people think it's a dog, man. I don't know. It could be a skinwalker. It could be a werewolf. Uh, it was a skinwalker. That it wasn't getting taken out by one bullet. Uh, not as big as you think, one skeptic comment. Look at the size of the tailgate. It's the angle of the picture. People do that to make the fish look huge, too. I'd go with a wolf cross. So they released more photos of it. This is an update. Uh... In an emailed response to the singular Fortean Society's inquiry about the planned DNA test, Sergeant Kyle Anderson stated that the Montana Fish and Wildlife Preserve will do a follow-up press release regarding the test, but that it might take months to get the results. So they have sent it out for DNA. Oh, uh, well, it, okay, well, looking at this picture, the full body shot there, that just looks like a wolf. Yeah, but it looks like a, I don't know, that's... Oh, it's put got a, pointed ears in this picture. Yeah. Yeah. It's got, it looks like a, they put a pen on its head to show how big its head is, but wolves are fucking huge. Wolves are pretty fucking huge. Yeah, but that thing is pretty freaking big. It's pretty big, but it's not. It's big to be a dog. It's too, yeah, it's probably a wolf. It's just a sick wolf. Yeah, wolves are bigger than dogs by quite a bit. Maybe it's a, a coyote-wolf hybrid. What? It could be that. Wolves and coyotes and dogs can all breed together, so. Hmm. I don't know. This is definitely something strange, though. Interesting. Remember, you can check this out in the show notes. Uh... White bipedal creature spotted in Michigan. Is it that rare to have a white guy in Michigan? Yeah, <laughs> white bipedal creature. His name Nobody is lives Tom. In Michigan anymore. Uh, a man and his daughter believe they saw a Bigfoot-like creature in I- Isaco County. The man, whose name was not released by the Bigfoot Research Organization, said they were walking to a detached garage near their home at 2.30 a.m. when they spotted the unidentified animal in October of last year. We both, uh, we both seen a human-like, white furry figure approximately 100 feet from where we were, the man said. It moved very quickly and in a half-moon circle and crouched down near a tree. We walked toward the figure and I noticed it was still near the tree, bent over slightly, almost like it was trying not to be noticed. So it was taking a poop. The eyewitness adds that there was a full moon that night and they were able to see well. We also noticed there was no animals around, he said about the time of the sighting. That's always an interesting thing, because like when you live out in the middle of the woods, oh, yeah, like, always the forest, you can you just hear sh- e- shit emanating from the forest, and when that shuts off, that's when it gets creepy. Yeah, it's gotta be creepy. The animal was described as a nine-foot-tall biped with white fur and very broad shoulders. It was also reportedly very muscular, and its arms went all the way down to its knees. Ooh. 
The report did not include a photograph or sketch. So, it's, I, I think it's interesting because it's like a, obviously like a senior Bigfoot. Like, it's like, I, I like when they report, like, it's not always just like a brown haired creature. Yeah. It's like, oh, this one has white it's a hair. Silverback Bigfoot. Yeah. Those are the ones that are really big. Nine yeah. feet, that's big for a Bigfoot. Huge, even. yeah. That's a. I don't know. That's a big bitch. I, yeah, that's. I don't know. That, was, that would scare the shit out of me, but I would still run and get my camera. All right, let's uh, take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Unsolved Serial Killings. It was all me. listening uh remember you guys can check us out on facebook you can check us out uh gmail we got uh what is it we got Myster- gmail we got mysteriousnesses <laughs> pc at gmail.com uh, as always uh oh i think we're on um we're on google play now if that's how you prefer to get podcasts very uh you have an android yeah remember if you uh want to send us any personal stories or um Things you want us to discuss on the show, please just hit us up on Facebook or uh, email us. Yes. We are happy to receive information. Yes. Um, right now we're talking about serial killers, unsolved serial killing for our feature segment. This is a. Uh, this shit is kind of scary. Yeah. I like. I don't like the sketches of serial killers. Yeah, the, it makes them look scarier than they are yeah, when they actually had this, get caught. This sketch up on your screen for a while now, and it's like staring daggers through me. That's the Zodiac Killer. Yeah. Here's some ones that I haven't heard of before, though. Uh, the Redhead Murderer. I guess he killed redheads? Or he was redheaded. This is, took place from uh, 1978 to 1992. Now, these are all unsolved, so. Okay. Uh, the Redhead Murders were a string of killings committed along major highways throughout the United States, primarily in the 80s. The first killing uh, definitively tied the Redhead Murders tied the redhead murders occurred occurring in 1983 although some believe that a killing in 1978 is connected to the case of the six victims police are certain were killed by the same person only one has even been identified well, that's weird that leading many weird. to believe that the killer targeted not just redheads but redheads who were engaged in either hitchhiking or sex work transients two suspects were interviewed in connection to the murders yet the killer was never identified so yeah, he was obsessed with redheads, Transient and he was redheads. smart enough to kill ones that wouldn't be missed. Only yeah. one was ever even identified. Kind of like Jack the Ripper. Yeah. yeah. But they knew who those people yeah, were. Yeah, they identified yeah. all those hookers. Yeah, the, so this guy's 6 to 11 murders on his, on his tab here. Damn. Uh, number two, the Zodiac Killer. This is, took place in Northern California in the 60s and 70s. Uh, five people were killed and two were injured. Everybody knows about the Zodiac Killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he transfixed the nation throughout the 60s and 70s due both to the brutality of his crimes and the way in which he toyed with the authorities and the media. It was Ted Cruz. He sent numerous letters and cryptograms to the press, daring the public to crack his pub- puzzles and catch him. One of the encrypted messages, uh, just one was deciphered. So I don't know how many there were, but there was, a, there was several. 
Only one was deciphered by a history professor and his wife. Chillingly, it revealed that the Zodiac ki- uh, killed in order to collect slaves for his afterlife. So they were looking for an Egyptian. Hmm. I never knew that. I didn't know that either. I like to think that the Zodiac Killer isn't actually just one person, though. It's like, a cult. It's not just a not a cult, but I like. But I always thought that the the killer was one person. But if you wanted to like do something weird, and like they're looking for like a killer or whatever, you could just anonymously send in some weird cryptic shit just to fuck with people. That's true. I mean. I mean that this happens in a lot of ser- that that sort of thing happens a lot in serial killer cases where like somebody like you know wannabes in a yeah. in a crime of passion murders their wife and then tries to change the crime scene around to make it look like what the serial killer what you know he saw in the paper that the mm-hmm. serial killer was doing. That's happened a lot. Uh, the Zodiac claimed responsibility for thirty-seven murders. However, investigators agree upon seven attacks in total a cab driver, and three different sets of male-female couples. Of the seven attacks, two men survived, bringing the Zodiac's official body count to five. A number of books and films about the killer's crimes have been released over the years. Some of these works examine the case, while others, such as Gary L. Stewart's The Most Dangerous Animal of All, uh, purport to solve it. Nevertheless, officially, the killer's identity remains unknown. Yeah, so there's nobody really... There's like a handful of guys that experts think are the Zodiac Killer, but they could never fully prove it. Yeah. I like, I, pretty good. I like Lauren's theory that it's just a passed-down title because then it, it really is Ted Cruz. Yeah. yeah. It was passed to him. Well, it's like, uh, what's his face in The Princess Bride? Um, the Dread Pirate Roberts? Yeah, it's the Dread Pirate Roberts. <laughs> Zo- hey, I'm, hey, guys, I'm the new Zodiac Killer. Yeah. Let's do this Hey, guys, thing. it's me, Zodiac Killer. <laughs> uh... The Alphabet Murders. This took place in Rochester, New York, between 1971 and 1973. Uh, Three killings. In the early 1970s, three young girls were raped, then strangled around Rochester, New York. Other than the manner of their death, the girls had one thing in common. Their names were... Alliterative. Alliterative. Oh, that sucks for me. Yeah, that's creepy. The the girls' bodies were left in towns that uh, started with the same letter as their names. Oh, weird. Carmen Colon was dumped in Churchville. Oh, that's an unfortunate name. Michelle Mazden, or Manza. Manza in Macedon, and Wanda in Wanda Wakowitz in Webster. So that's, yeah, that's really weird. Yeah. yeah. I'm not they were dumped. They're not necessarily killed. Places. Yeah, don't do it. Yeah. A similar modus operandi was observed in California serial killer Joseph Nasso, who murdered a different Carmen Colon. That's yeah. creepy. Oh. That's unfortunate. Yeah, Pamela Parsons and Roxanne Roshis and Tracy E. Tofoya, a reference in NASA's journal to the death of the girl in Buffalo Woods, led investigators to test NASA's DNA against DNA found in the Rochester crime scenes. The DNA was not a match. Since then, the alphabet murders have remained unsolved. Yeah. So that's yeah. weird. They were like, man, we got this guy. This is the guy. He just moved. Yeah. No, it and turned out like, he was oh. actually just basically a copycat. Yeah. Ugh, that one freaks me out the most. I don't like that one. Yeah, so if your name is Carmen Colon, run. Yeah, serial killer. Yeah, fuck you. Uh, Highway of Tears murders. This uh, ha- took place in Canada and British Columbia uh, from 1969 to 2011. Jesus, that's a long spree. That is that's... a real, and they still never caught him. Yeah, 16 to 40. 16 killed. to 40. He probably died. He's probably dead at this point, right? One yeah. Can hope. I mean, he's not old enough to. What, 1969. What is that? He's in his fifties. 
Say say he was in his twenties in nineteen sixty nine. Yeah, he's in his. So yeah, so he's probably maybe dead or invalid. Uh, how many victims? Uh, sixteen to forty. They're not sure. Fucking Christ. Yeah. A shocking number of young women have disappeared or been murdered along a desolate stretch of highway in British Columbia. These cases date back to 1969, and the sheer number of victims, victims coupled with this length of time have led investigators to conclude that the Highway of Tears murders are the work of multiple killers. Ooh, weird. So this one, this one is, is like what Lauren said, multiple killers that are just uh, going under the same name. Yeah. Many of the victims are First Nations women's, uh, women. No, we call them um, Indians. We call them Indians here, or Native Americans, uh, leading locals to contend that r- uh, racism played a part in the attacks, as well as the lack of progress made in each case. Royal Canadian Police have suspected American killer Bobby Jack Fowler is being responsible for killing anywhere from ten to twenty of the victims. A Canadian serial killer, Cody Legboff, was convicted of one of the Highway of Tears murders. Despite this progress, the police do not believe that they will ever solve all 40-plus of the murders that have occurred along the stretch of highway. In many cases, too much time has lapsed, and others, there's simply not enough evidence to charge suspects. So is this like a get-your-groove-back serial killer highway? Yeah, I don't know. This is like, they had that, they're showing a picture here, the sign that says, Girls don't hitchhike, hitchhike on the Highway of Tears. Killer on the loose. And then they have pictures of some of the victims. Wow. It's like, why would anyone, I wouldn't even want to drive on this road, let alone fucking hitchhike. Have you ever hitchhiked? No, I don't plan on it. Yeah, that's smart. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is smart. I mean... You take Uber, but it's almost the same as hitchhiking. But there's like an app that buffers. Sometimes I worry about Uber though. Like when I well, Uber there was by that myself, one Uber driver who shot her his uh, his uh, passenger passenger for like saying they didn't like Trump or some shit like that. I forget. It's what? not that's not the exact thing. But it was what something stupid. Uh, here's the freeway phantom from Washington D.C. This is took place from 1971 to 72. Uh, six murders. In 1971, a killer began haunting the northwest or northeast neighborhood of Washington D.C. Six young young black girls between the ages of 10 and 18 were murdered within a year, year and a half of each other. Victims were abducted while walking to the store, to school, their job, or home. The killer would rape and strangle each victim before dumping the bodies along the highway. All right. The second to last victim was found with a note. It read, "This is tantamount to my." insensitivity to people, especially women. I will admit the others when you catch me, if you can. It was signed Freeway Phantom. Oh, fuck. That's creepy as shit. Police suspected an area gang in the string of attacks, yet no convictions were made. Since then, the case files, which were supposed to be maintained by the detective in charge of the investigation, have been lost, making solving the case nearly Uh, impossible. It was a local judge. What? That's what it was. It was a local judge. It's always the local judge. I mean, he stopped though. That's what it's always weird when like, it's like when six. When they just stop. Yeah, when they just stop. That's always it. Always freaks me out. Mm, they got to that other system. Yeah, it's like you know, I feel better. Yeah. <laughs> well, either they got to that system, or they just got they, just they started hiding else. shit. Or the, a lo- I think else. a lot of uh, in a lot of these cases where the killer just stops, it's because they got convicted of a separate murder for well, something. A separate crime or something. Yeah. Or what just like a hope? rape, a rape without killing or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know about the whole gang thing. That doesn't really seem like like gang members would kill young girls. I think I think that was just like, well, I mean, 
So yeah, it just sounds like, like racist detective talk. Yeah, yeah racist. Yeah, it's a damn gang. It's like that yeah. doesn't seem like gangs don't kill yeah. young girls. This took place in nineteen seven, the nineteen seventies. Oh, this was during the satanic hysteria this too. Someone, satanic hysteria was more popular in the nineties, actually. But uh, for the seventies, yeah, it would be easy just to go. Yeah, it's just you know gangsters. You know it's those warriors. It's gangsters. See, yeah, yeah. gangsters. <laughs> That's how people talked in the seventies. Here's the Long Island Killer. Long Island. Uh, Long Island. You can guess Long where that took place. Island. It took place between 1996 and 2011. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, it's another spree. one that went on for a long time. Uh, Ten to sixteen victims. The Long Island serial killer, also known as Lisk, and the Craigslist Ripper, killed at least ten women and dumped their bodies along the Ocean Parkway in Long Island. Through the late 90s and early 2000s, many of the women targeted by the Long Island serial killer were sex workers who advertised their services on Craigslist. Authorities believe the killer contacted these women on Craigslist, arranged a meetup, and then raped and murdered each victim. Fuck. Makes sense. John uh, Bitroff, convicted of the murder of two prostitutes in the early 90s, is a sus- suspect in at least one of the list killings. Another notable suspect was James Burke. Burke is a former police chief of Suffolk County who had previously used the services of one of the victims. During the course of the investigation, it was revealed that Burke had obstructed an FBI probe into the Long Island killer case during his time as police chief. He was convicted of obstruction and the beating of a man who stole personal items from his vehicle. Burke has never been charged in connection with the actual killings. Yeah, it's probably the cop. That's yeah, probably the cop. It's always the cop. Yeah. The judge. One of those. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, I don't know. It could be that he was just trying to cover up, you know, that or he had ever son. seen it. Yeah, maybe it's his son. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I know how this shit works. Seen enough movies. Oh, I can't wait to see what's after this one. We're getting All right. close. It really bothers me how excited you get. <laughs> well, you can do this one, Lauren, unless you don't have your glasses. I have my contacts okay. in. <laughs> All right, the Colonial Colonial Parkway Killer? Yep. It's in Virginia from 1986 to 1989. Uh, killed eight people. Four couples were targeted and attacked by the Colonial Parkway Killer in the late 1980s. Although the bodies of only three couples were found... The fourth couple is presumed dead as well. Each of the couples in their cars were found along the Colonial Parkway, often after their bodies had had a chance to decompose. Ugh, gross. In all cases, there was no sign of attempted robbery or sexual assault. A few theories about the killer have been proposed, including that the perpetrator was a police officer or posed as one to mislead the victims. This is literally one of my biggest fears, is getting pulled over by someone with fake cop lights. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. Like, uh, it freaks me the fuck out. That's why if you do get pulled over, you go to somewhere where there's people and lighting, and if you can't, you drive slowly, and you call 911, you call 911 and, you and ask that, that it's, it's a, a cop, cop. Yeah. That is why you do that. Um, anyways, continuing on. A retired Milwaukee detective, Steve Spingola, Spingola, Spingola <laughs> believes that the killings were committed by different killers, uh, though a family member of one of the victims is a sp- ah, ah, sorry, I got excited. Though a family member of one of the victims is suspicious of Spingola, Spingola conclusion and asserts that he merely sought to profit from covering the case. The murders remain under active investigation to this day. Huh. 
I bet Spingola did it. Spingola. Spingola. I commit the murder. Yes. All right, Mike can read this this one. Yes, the servant girl annihilator. Actually, we're out of time. No. <laughs> Fuck you! I'll kill everyone in this room because I'm the servant girl oh. annihilator. Oh yeah, read that. There's even a headline yeah, from read the newspaper: headline. "Hell broke loose. Could not more appall the good people of the capital city than the dark and damnable deeds done in the blackness of night by fiends." How is this? Has got to be from like a comic book. No, this like, is what from the 1884. Oh this is just God. how people talked back then. <laughs> yeah, uh, in Austin, or wrote Texas, newspapers 1884 anyway. 1884 to 1885, eight people killed. In the late 1800s, Austin fell prey to a crazed murderer with an axe. Seven women and one man were killed by the servant girl annihilator, while six more women and two more men were brutally attacked. The killer would attack in the dead of night. He dragged most of his victims outside before brutalizing them with an axe. The killer tore across Austin for just under a year. You know what? This sounds like the movie Frailty. It does. It's probably based on that. Then just like that, the attack ceased. An 1885 article in the New York Times claimed that the upwards of 400 men were interrogated in connection to the attacks, yet no one was ever charged. Numerous suspects have surfaced in the years since. One familiar name on the suspect list is Jack the Ripper. In her book, Jack the Ripper, The American Connection, author Shirley Harrison asserts that Jack the Ripper honed his brutal craft in America before initiating his reign of terror in London's Whitechapel neighborhood. That I mean, sounds like nonsense. Nah, yeah. No, the, the, legit, that sounds like fan fiction. This guy used an fiction. axe, and Jack the Ripper probably used a surgical instrument. Yeah. yeah, several surgical instruments. I mean, this guy was just hitting people with an axe. That's way different. Yeah. I yeah. mean, same effect, but completely different. Well, Jack the Ripper would, like, he would, like, keep their some of their organs as trophies. And yeah, shit, right? yeah. Apparently this guy didn't do this any of is that. like this is like the the stereotypical like axe, axe murderer yeah. axe murdering maniac. Yeah. It's like you just you you wake up to being like hit over the head with an axe, and then you're being dragged out by your hair into the front yard where you're chopped up to death Ugh. with an axe with yeah. an axe with an axe. All right, it's that a good classic murder tool. Well, yeah. Um, I don't want to leave the house ever again. Well, we have to go out right now. God damn it. And you're it. walking home. Uh, nope. All right. Nope. Now for our You Believe in What segment. What? what? We're going to talk about the Black Knight satellite conspiracy theory. Ooh. It is now, not related I... to Flat Earth, thank Christ. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure there's certain Flat Earthers that like can uh, can loop this in. Yeah, no one can tie shit together like Flat Earthers. Let's stop talking about that. Okay. <laughs> The Black Knight conspiracy theory claims that there is a spacecraft in near orbit of the Earth and is of extraterrestrial origin, and that NASA is engaged in a cover-up regarding its existence and origin. This conspiracy combines several unrelated stories into one narrative. A 1998 NASA photo is believed to by some to show the Black Knight satellite, but NASA has stated this is likely space debris. Specifically, a thermal blanket lost during an EVA mission. Eh, I can see that, actually. So yeah. this is a picture of that. It kind of does look like, or a boot almost. It kind of looks like a lady's shoe. It, look, it looks like a know. thermal blanket. It's hard to tell s- the size of things. Yeah, there's no real scale here. Yeah. In space, like that could be that could be 100 stories tall, yeah. or it could be a blanket. Yeah. Yeah, it looks <laughs> like it's a bunch of shrapnel or something. It could be. Uh, according to some UFO conspiracists, 
The Black Knight is an artificial satellite of extraterrestrial origin which has orbited the Earth for approximately 13,000 years. The satellite story is most likely a conflation of several... And how come we just found it then, guys? <laughs> huh? Just like the dinosaurs, if they existed, how come we just found them? Fuck you, flat earthers. <laughs> the satellite story is most likely a compilation of several disconnected stories about various objects and their interpretations, all of them well documented independently, and none of the uh, none using the term "black knight" upon their first publication. According to senior education support officer Martina Repath of Armagh Planetarium in Northern Ireland. Black Knight is a jumble of completely unrelated stories, reports of unusual science observations, authors promoting fringe ideas, classified spy satellites, and people over-interpreting photos. These ingredients have been chopped up, stirred together, and stewed on the internet to one rambling and inconsistent dollop of myth. So That's a pretty harsh takedown. I yeah. mean, yeah. Uh, the origin of the Black Knight legend is often retrospectively dated back to the natural extraterrestrial repeating sources supposedly heard during 1899 radio experiments of Nikola Tesla. So, so they say that Nikola Tesla discovered this in 1899. Or he created it. That is one of the conspiracy theories. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and long-delayed echoes first heard by amateur radio operator Jorgen Halls in Oslo, Norway, Norway in uh, 1928. Brian Dunning of the Skeptoid podcast attributes to Tesla's 1899 radio signals to pulsars, which were not identified until 1968. All right, so we're now in a podcast war with Brian Dunwing of Skeptoid Podcast. Yep. Yeah, well, he, I'm pretty sure he added that, too. Yeah. <laughs> if we could trace that back, I guarantee... I bet he's the one who edited this. Yes. <laughs> so let's uh, check out some creepy theories of the Black Knight. Yes, let's. Uh, it was discovered by Nikola Tesla. We mentioned that. In 1901, Tesla published an article in Collier's Weekly detailing his experiments with electrical currents. He claims he experienced unexplained disturbances in electrical signals and concludes that the source may have been extraterrestrials trying to communicate. He wrote, It was sometime afterward when the thought flashed upon my mind that the disturbances I had observed might be due to an intelligent control. Although I cannot decipher their meaning, it was impossible for me to think of them as having been in entirely accidental. The feeling is constantly growing on me that I had been the first one to hear the greeting of one planet to another. So, I mean... That's why the CIA killed him. I mean, he was, he was definitely kind of crazy, but, I mean, yeah, why not? I mean, it could be alien signals. Yeah. Aliens. I mean, it didn't have to come from this, you know? Just because, like, he heard Well, they were something. saying that... It Mostly it's unconnected, different things. Yeah. But we can connect them. Don't yeah. worry, we can connect these. <laughs> a Norwegian engineer heard its signal transmissions. Uh, so this is uh, the one we also mentioned earlier. In 1927, amateur Norwegian radio operator Jorgen Halls discovered long-delay echoes. Jorgen Halls. Which are the echoes of short-wave transmissions. He couldn't figure out what was causing the LT, uh, LDEs, and neither could anyone else. Scientists still don't know what causes them. One theory is that these echoes were the same signals Tesla heard, and they were coming from intelligent beings in space. Dun, dun, dun. Which has nothing to do with the Black Knight thing. I mean, but they're saying it, that the signals could. are coming from the satellite. Yeah, no. but it could. I'd like to contribute my own... Contribute. Contribute 
my own ideas to this. Maybe it's what causes us to falsely see the curvature of the Earth from a uh, plane. No, I was just thinking, like, I was sitting here, I was like, it sounds like people who don't, like, who are, like, amateurs at using the radio are the only ones that hear this shit. Yeah, I mean, I'm I sure mean, you can set up a radio and hear stuff like Tesla this. Tesla wasn't an amateur. At using a radio? He invented it. He invented... Well, I mean, that kind of makes... You can't be an amateur do, using that, something... That kind of makes radio. you an amateur. I mean, you're still... You're learning it as you go. No, he's the know? only one who knows how it works. Anyways, what I'm saying is, is like, okay, well, then why isn't it professionals don't talk about this shit? And that's because they all know about this shit, and they're not allowed to. Yeah, because the Clintons and the deep state are covering <laughs> Exactly. This, this took a turn in a different direction than I thought you were going to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that I believe well, it, I mean, but it's a fun thought experiment. It would experiment. make sense. Like, if we ever figure out how to, uh, you know, get out of our solar system in, like, a fast and timely way, yeah, we're definitely going to send satellite uh, satellite probes to... to I mean, we've already, already sent satellite probes. probes. I know, but I mean... I mean, we're, we're, we will send a lot more oh, if yeah, we can yeah. ever travel faster. Yeah, we'll gonna... send one to every single uh, solar system that we think might support life. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's what we would do. Yeah. So if there's a uh, alien we species send them that's way to every uh, universe with a dick pic and a map to our house. <laughs> that is what we did. Yeah. We have done that. You no, know, we'll continue to do that. Here's what we look like naked, Come and here's directions to our house. <laughs> <laughs> Come on over. Send Come on nudes. over. Uh, it could be a Bracewell probe. Uh, Tesla and Howells both heard radio signals they attributed to intelligent beings from space. But in 1960, uh, Ronald Bracewell took things a step further by publishing a theory on how other life forms might try to communicate with us. So it's basically what I was just saying. They would fill a probe or satellite with all the information they wanted to communicate and launch it into space. The probe would then seek civilizations capable of interpreting its messages. So basically, that's like the idea, like of Carl Sagan's contact. Mm. Like if we can just uh, uh, if we can just decipher the signal, then it might have some sort of message for us. Yeah. Well, we're too dumb for that shit. But I mean, yeah. Eventually, SETI probably, if SETI's still around in a hundred years, then it'll probably be sending all sorts of probes out into space looking for intelligent life. If we haven't already found some by then. Yeah. Uh, it was first sighted in 1954. In 1954, reports emerged that Dr. Lincoln La Paz of the University of New Mexico spotted two satellites orbiting the Earth. La Paz denied the claims, but it's possible the government was trying to cover up the sighting. So, As always. Uh, there was a second witness. Uh, Clyde Tombaugh, famed astronomer who discovered Pluto was at UNM with Lincoln La Paz during the supposed black satellite sighting. Tombow and La Paz were doing secret research for the military on the existence of alien satellites and the origins of other unexplained phenomena. Tombow also denied the satellite reports, but, a, but in a much more cryptic manner than his colleague. He just said no. Yeah, no, he was like, no, and then he like w- wiggled his eyebrows a little. Yeah, he winked. <laughs> and he he winked. winked a lot. <laughs> yeah, he was winking quite a bit. Or having a stroke. Yeah, I mean, these guys work for the government, so if they did see something and the government said, hey, don't talk to regular people about this alien satellite that's yeah. orbiting the Earth, yeah. they're probably going to listen. Yeah. yeah. They're probably like, uh, the government probably like, hey, it's a secret spy satellite. Don't tell anyone about it. Oh, okay. A famed ufologist backed the two satellites theory. Uh, the first satellite released into space, Sputnik 1, was launched by Russia in October 1957. In 1954, three years before Sputnik, Sputnik retired Marine Corps Major Donald Kehoe claimed that two satellites were orbiting Earth 
and that the Secretary of the Air Force, Harold Talbot, had personally seen one of them. Talbot denied the claims. Kehoe was a UFO expert who wrote several nonfiction books on the subject and was taken quite seriously as a journalist. Was. Was. Yeah, was. He was discredited by the government. Yeah. yeah. A sighting in 1960 was a cover-up. In February 1960, several magazines and newspapers reported on a mysterious satellite detected by the U.S. military. No one knew where it came from. In March 1960, Time magazine claimed the object was a retro rocket from the Discover satellite. See, when a satellite returns to Earth, it fires a retro rocket to slow its descent. The retro rocket has a parachute and is supposed to be picked up by the scout planes as it falls. But according, it wasn't. Yeah, according to time, when this particular discoverer launched its retro rocket in August 1955, it disappeared and no one noticed it orbiting for five months, even though the Department of Defense employed people whose sole responsibility was monitoring objects in space. Uh, these DOD employees used radar detector dubbed Dark Fence to help alert them to objects orbiting the U.S. Here's how time explained the blunder. Instead of slowing the recovery capsule and bringing it down, the rocket's thrust had increased the capsule's speed and put it in a different and higher orbit, where it circled for five months before the still inexperienced dark, fen watcher, dark fence watchers noticed it. With this experience uh, behind them, the space watchers could be expected to do better next time. A silent, unknown satellite starts crisscrossing the sky. Okay. Okie dokie, then. Maybe that's where we got the idea to start sending out set probes and shit from this thing. Like, well, they're doing it to us. We might as well do it to them, too. Like, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, Gordon Cooper, uh, there's an old story about him seeing a, uh, a UFO in space. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1963, astronaut Gordon Cooper saw a UFO cut across the sky while on the Mercury 9 space flight over Perth, Australia. Mercury. Uh, reports indicate that the object was also seen on the radar at Muchi tracking station outside Perth. Cooper has explicitly denied these claims, but others are convinced he was coerced into silence. No, I didn't see it. Uh, let's see. It comes from Epsilon Butis. Is okay. that how you say that? With the, how yeah, you, sure. I don't Bootis? know. Butis? That's how you say Bootis. it. That's how I say Bootis. it. Butis. In 1974, Scottish astronomer Duncan Lunan purported to have decoded the LDE's uh, Jorgen Howells heard in the 20s. Lunin claimed that they were a map of the star system Epsilon Budis. Could the message come from aliens on a planet in the Epsilon Budis system? Epsilon Booty. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, what, I mean, booty. I guess that's a map to it, or is that just a stock photo of dots? <laughs> yeah, yep. No. Correct. <laughs> Both. Uh, there's only one problem with Duncan Lunin's decoded map theory. Arcturus, a bright star from the Buddhist constellation where the Epsilon Buddhist system is located, was in the wrong place when checked against star charts. Lunin did some research and discovered that Arcturus had once been located where the map claimed it was 13,000 years ago. This means the probe must have been launched more than 13,000 years ago when Arcturus was still in that position. So, I mean, that's um, possible that that's they launched possible. it thousands and thousands of years ago. I don't know, yeah. that just seems more like he's... I mean, we forget the stars move all the time. That just seems more like he's modifying the evidence to fit what he already wanted. Or he's correcting a mistake that he made. I guess. Uh, the Endeavor captured a picture of it in 1998. Here's the another one of the pictures of that blanket. But that could, I mean, that could be a giant freaking satellite. Who knows? 
1998 mission, the Endeavour space shuttle captured a picture of something floating outside of the craft. NASA wrote it off as a lost thermal blanket. I just want to point out that you can see the curvature of the Earth in that photo. <laughs> Very clearly. <laughs> it has visited Earth. In August 2015, footage emerged from Jacksonville, Florida, showing a mysterious object hovering in the sky. It looks suspiciously like the object in the photo from the Endeavor, and some claim that it's the Black Knight satellite. Mm. I mean, that does look pretty similar, right? Yeah, that looks like the same piece, thing, whatever it is. I mean, that's 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 kind of crazy. And it has, like, some other satellites near it. That's weird. Pepsi made a movie blaming the government for covering up knowledge of the Black Knight. <laughs> okay. Wait, what? In 2015, Pepsi released a short film entitled Black Knight Decoded. The story follows characters played by David Owilo and Frito Pinto as they decode transmissions from the Black Knight satellite and release them to the world. Throughout the short, the government tries desperately to shot, shut the operation down. I mean, Wait, are you what? saying Pepsi like the, the soda? soda? Yes. Pepsi I mean, is there any is there any other thing called Pepsi? Why would they care about this? That's why know. they don't sell as much as Coke. Yeah, they're crazy. Pepsi, the soda of conspiracy theorists it was everywhere. Spotted near the International Space Station. That so this doesn't necessarily have to be near. Yeah. In January 2016, footage from the International Space Station showed an object that looks suspiciously like the Black Knight satellite floating nearby. NASA provided no explanation for the mystery, mystery object. Is it Sandra Bullock? Did they leave her up there after shooting gravity? Or could it be the Black Knight satellite? I mean, that looks pretty similar to, to this thing. Yeah. Space junk. Philip K. Dick was contacted by it. Author okay. Philip K. Dick of... of, uh, of uh, Science fiction fan. Blade... Blade Runner f fandom. Do a Minority Report. Do electric. Do Android Android's dream. dream of electric sheep. Yeah, he kept a journal in which he documented experiences with an extraterrestrial being. Are you sure that wasn't just a short novel? Yeah. I don't know. Parts of this journal were published in a collection called The Exegius, which included detailed passages about recurring hallucinations Dick experienced. These visions involved an entity he called the Vast Active Living Intelligence System. Dick claimed Vallis was a satellite, the sole purpose of which was to act as a communication tool between humans and extraterrestrial beings. We really need to do an episode that features Philip K. Dick, because he also believed that a lot of his writing and shit came from not himself, but like a... What, David. like channeled stuff? It, it no, like just a, beamed directly to his head by the Black Knight satellite. No, like a, da like a daemon entity. Like yeah, so that's like channeling. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. Philip K. Dick. We, Who we, is your greatest inspiration? The devil! The Jews! <laughs> the devil beamed it into my brain. All right, well, that's it for the show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember, you can email it, uh, us at uh, mysteriousnessespc at gmail.com, and you can hit us up on Facebook, uh, like, uh, like us on Facebook, and uh, definitely send us some questions or some experiences, and we can put you on the show. We'll decode you. We'll definitely decode it. In list form. And if your name is alliterative, we'll kill you in the town named uh, after your letter. Nope. Thanks for listening, guys. Good night. <laughs>